Can I carry those for you? Thanks. Hey, I saw you help the guy in the wheelchair with his groceries. Another way to show him your good side? Donate at Griffles Plasma, because he also relies on plasma-based medicines. Thanks again. Find a center at grifflesplasma.com. You can receive up to $800 this month. Hey guys, this is Jason Zook. In this episode, I interview special guest Elliot Robertson about his book, Say Yes to Life, Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within. Elliot is a happiness coach and an author. We hope you enjoy this episode Love and thanks for supporting. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zuck. Jason has been an intuitive psychic medium since 2004. This show will cover a variety of topics relating to spirituality, mediumship, self-improvement, and intuitive guidance. Whatever interests you, remember that we are all here to share and learn. Sit back and get ready to socialize with the social psychic. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure that I have the opportunity of introducing special guest Elliot Robertson. Elliot Robertson has created a book called Say Yes to Life, Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within. Robertson is a happiness coach. He holds a master's of arts in psychology and has been certified as a, as a happy for no reason workshop facilitator. His articles have appeared in several magazines, including Science of the Mind and Miracles Magazine. Elliot's book, Say Yes to Life, strives to inspire, illuminate, and propel the reader to a new way of living. Say Yes to Life provides you with seven keys to unconditional, abundant living. Each key opens a doorway to experiencing life as a gift. This book will guide you to the depths of your heart where you long to celebrate life with a wholehearted yes. You will be led to a place of greater authenticity and be encouraged to take joy in who you are. Only willingness is needed to embrace yourself, for with your true self in the driver's seat and the ego in the back seat, life takes on a new vibrancy. In each chapter, Robertson offers new ways to counter our default conditioning so that we can learn to live life from a place of joy. It's with great pleasure that I introduce Elliot to the show. Thank you. I'm so well, glad to be uh, present with you. Thank you so much for having uh, me. Welcome to the show. Thank you for thank you for coming on to the show. I appreciate it. it. You know, one of the things about having a podcast is I'll get information about different authors and different books from different publicists. And when I saw your information, I was really intrigued by it. My first question to you is this. What motivated you to create Say Yes to Life? Well, the way I write usually is I just have things sort of coming to me. And when I started writing this book, I was writing one sentence after another, um, just a lot of different seeds that ended up being used in the book. And I didn't really know exactly what the table of contents would look like or what the structure would look like. So on the one hand, the answer is sort of, um, I was just writing whatever I was writing. I mean, one of the sentences that may have come to me at the start was, the time has come for us to be honest with ourselves about who we are in our divinity and in our humanity and what's possible with God's help and so on and so forth. On the other hand, what motivated me to write this book is what motivates me to write everything. And that is really, um, I always hope to uplift people. That's part of my mission statement. So I'm really hoping that this book will be something that people turn to uh, after a long day at work or whatever. 
um, when, along with maybe taking a hot bubble bath or whatever, and then turning to this book or a glass of wine or to, uh, some favorite music or whatever, as as a, just a way of getting centered and and just being reminded of their true self and stuff like that. Excellent. How did you pursue your your path of being a? I guess you'd call yourself a happiness coach. Is that yes. Accurate? Yes. Okay. And part of it was um, because of Marcy Shymoff's training. I'm so privileged to have been working with her. You know, you could say it all started with my youth when I was, um, I knew I wanted to be really serving people. And at the same time, I was having a lot of bitterness and a lot of misery in my life. Uh, I was, I found out about uh, this five-day self-awareness workshop when I was living in New York and when I was in my 20s. And I started, I started initially participating in it and falling in love with it. And then I decided to assist. So a lot of my, in fact, I took days off. A lot of my free time was just devoted to being in the seminar room and helping out with the logistics and stuff. I was really into that. And I also learned about rebirthing, which is really a powerful breathing technique that's just amazing. And so I was assisting my rebirther when he was leading uh, workshops or whatever. Uh, But that was really just minor things in in the general arc of my life. And uh, I was really miserable most of the time because I was going to a job I really didn't like, didn't pay much, very always an entry-level job, one after another. And I was, you know, going around New York and noticing all of the people sitting in the outdoor cafes, the cafes that I couldn't afford with my low income. And I was just always swimming in a sea of jealousy and bitterness. It was just life wasn't the way I wanted it to be in general. So from there, I ended up having a turnaround moment when I just realized that I needed to take ownership of my life or else this would be the way life is forever and ever. If I didn't just, uh, instead of just blaming life for being the wrong way and uh, all of that kind of stuff and always feeling like life is unfair, I just realized I had to have ownership of my life and uh, stop blaming and, and start just moving forward um, however I could. And that after that turnaround moment, a bunch of good things started to happen, including um, the the work I did with um, Marcy Shymoff. I'd like to... I'd like to get into the background of Marcy Shymoff. I know she's a New York Times bestselling author, happy for no reason and love for no reason. Can you just describe briefly how you became acquainted with Marcy and your, you know, where she motivated you to create Say Yes to Life? Yeah, well, the work that I did with her around coaching, I started just a couple of years ago. And she basically decided that she wanted to have the workshops that she had been leading, that she wanted to train people to be trainers of her workshops. And I was just in the first group. I was so lucky to, you know, find out about it. I was on her mailing list. And uh, when you apply for that particular workshop, you have to jump through a lot of hoops. I mean, basically, in other words, you have a big application to fill out, and it's pretty time-consuming. And then after that, uh, after the applications are sent in, there's an interview process. So I'm just feeling very lucky that um, I was chosen <laughs> from all of our yeah. applicants to be a part of that. I like your theme because I believe positive thinking and utilizing a certain paradigm where you can basically embrace the challenges of life and do so in such a way where you can get joy from the challenges of living and gaining insight and experience. What I want to ask you about your book. The Seven Keys to to Living Full Out from Within. I wanted to know what you mean when you say living 
pull out from within? Yeah, happiness really is an inside job. I'm a happiness coach, but I'm clear with my clients that I, I can't make them happy. Nobody can make anyone happy. Happiness is definitely uh, something that is cultivated by inner things such as inner harmony and alignment with your true self. In other words, it's not a good idea to, if you're going to the happiness house, metaphorically, it's not a good idea to just go directly to the front door and try to open up the door to the happiness house. In other words, if you chase happiness, it might be elusive. So I just really like to focus on the back doors, uh, which include um, inner harmony, alignment. Also, poise is one of the back doors. And when I say poise, I mean just being present to the forks in the road along the uh, along the day as you're going down the path, because there's always a choice, um, and it's so easy. We I think we all tend to have a habit of just walking down the path with our usual routines, our usual habits of responding to life in certain ways, our usual habits of being triggered without even realizing that there might be another option available, uh, perhaps a more loving option, perhaps uh, an option that's more supportive of who we are and others. I like that. Just for our audience to understand, because we have different terms we use when we do our interviews, and some of them may not understand what the term happy co- happiness coach means as compared, for example, to a life coach. My understanding, and you can correct me, from reviewing your information is that a happiness coach basically helps you to bring your heart and mind together so you can discover, represent happiness for yourself. And it's more of a choice. And I want to see if you could embellish on that a little bit and, and share in your own words what you believe uh, you do. Maybe I didn't portray it right. I just want to make sure we get what you, you know, what a happiness coach is for the audience to understand it better. Yeah, I like that question. I appreciate it because it is a question I get all the time, of course. Most people haven't heard of uh, happiness coaches. <laughs> it's not, um, <laughs> all, not, not as common as life coaches, that's for sure. Uh, and then the thing is, is that we don't talk about happiness. Uh, I, I don't talk about happiness with my clients, um, and I guess that's sort of because I don't want to go to the front door. <laughs> uh, I would much rather focus on things like aligning with yourself. I appreciate what you said about um, bringing the mind and the heart together, and there's a grain of truth in that for sure. That is something that is really helpful to um, happiness. It's also helpful to soul growth, and you might call me a soul, a soul, not a soul growth, a spiritual growth. It's helpful to spiritual growth. I think I might at some point change my title to spiritual growth coach because that's really and truly a more accurate representation of what I like to focus on when I'm working with people and, and when I'm writing too. That's, that's really what my passion is all about. And of course, soul growth, spiritual growth is a fairly gradual process of embracing uh, who you are. The thing that's really key to spiritual growth and to happiness, uh, happiness I think of as a byproduct of uh, spiritual growth, a byproduct of a lot of things. It's, it's, it's sort of the side effect of spiritual growth. No worries. I, I'd like to say this. I think it's pretty cool where you can tell people, I'm a happiness coach. Because when we're living in the society we're living right now, so many people are not happy. So if you could develop a skill set and use your passion in life, to try to help others gain an understanding of what they should do to try to live a more balanced and fulfilling, gratifying life from within and out. I think that's a, that's a, that's a novel, a noble cause, in my opinion. Too many people, I think, get caught up in the materiality of, you know, materialism of, of our day and age. And 
I think it's important to be looking at mind, body, spirit, and looking at the whole. And so for me, that's, that's something that I really enjoy having someone like you on the show today, that you're actually using this as your, as your passion in life. I love having that for our audience to understand and hear about your particular circumstances. Thank when you. I look, Thank you. Oh, yeah. No problem. Well, no problem. Uh, you just yeah. now reminded me, um, you were talking earlier about merging the heart and mind, and that's uh, somewhat of a difficult concept to wrap everyone's, you know, to wrap your head around, I think. And what I really find a little bit more simple and um, just as accurate, I really like to support people and hold the space for people to let their minds no longer be the leader, but to let the heart lead the way. So I'm really hoping that people who take a look at my book will experience it as a journey to the heart, as just giving oxygen to the heart so that the reliance on the mind can um, sort of shift into the heart. Definitely. Let me ask you this. There's a lot of self-help books out there. When you go into a Barnes and Noble, when you go on Amazon or you look up book titles, you'll see a plethora of titles that talk about living your best life, being authentic to yourself, having balance. I want to ask you this. What do you believe sets your book, Say Yes to Life, apart from any other type of book that might be on the shelves at a Barnes and Noble or you know, listed on Amazon under the self-help or self-improvement uh, genre? Yeah, that's an interesting question because uh, there have been many, many books in the self-help uh, category lately. It's really become a booming industry. And a lot of those books are about um, how to be happier. A lot of them are. And um, the self-help books in general and the happiness books in particular often are instructional or um, they're how-to they might be a little bit academic, but not necessarily. But they do have that tendency to either provide habits that you need to cultivate to become happier. They focus on a formula or a recipe or the steps that need to be taken. And um, I think that all of that is just absolutely wonderful. I really have benefited from reading some of those books. It's really helped me in my ability to be a good coach. And at the same time, um, my book... I don't know if it really belongs in the self-help category because it is a lot, a lot of it is fictional. There are conversations to bring out some wisdom and stuff that I have with um, somebody who passed away before me, uh, somebody who wrote another book, The Little Prince. So he and I are sitting on the front porch in a country I've never been in. And of course, it's fictional because he died before I passed away. And we're having a uh, part of the book is the two of us having conversations about his character, The Little Prince. And um, so in other words, basically, this book engages the imagination much more than uh, most of the books that are out there. And by, engage, by engaging the imagination, I'm hoping that it will also sink down deeper, become more real, provide somebody uh, with images and, and a storyline that uh, might relate to their own storyline or, or that just you know, might be easier to digest and integrate. So that's one of the main differences. And as I was saying earlier today on the phone call with you, I was just imagining that some people might have one of those hectic days when one thing after another happens, and they might want to just you know, listen to relaxing music or read a book of spiritual poetry or jump into a jacuzzi. Do you ever have days like that when you're sort of worn out at the end of the day and you want to just do something to relax? Here's what I'll say. Absolutely. I know what that's like. Think about it this way. We are all in an, in an era where 
we have more demands placed on us probably than any other generation before us. Even though we have the amenities of computers and all these gadgets that help make our life more efficient, and I'll use the word efficient in quotes, it also puts a significant amount of pressure and burdens on us. And so I believe very strongly a lot of us have those moments at the end of the day or even during the day where you have to take a step back and think to yourself, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes right now to unwind a little bit, get myself grounded, and I call it find my happy place, which I believe when you look at what you're doing in terms of your work would be to help people understand whatever it is that's stressing you out, it doesn't need to define you. Would that be accurate for you to say? Right. And um, the, my book is so I hope my book is experienced like a bubble bath in a way. <laughs> I, I just want it sure. to it's, it's not a bunch of steps or a formula. I just want it to be something that people could turn to. Some people like to turn to Javis and Rumi, you know, the poetry that is inspiring and uplifting. I hope that this book might be for, you know, whoever would find it uplifting and inspiring. I agree with you. I'd like to go through this because we, I have your, your book in front of me. There are seven keys you identify. I'd like to get into some of these keys. First key is say yes to your expansiveness. And I want to ask you if you could tell our audience a little bit about what you mean by that. Saying yes to your expansiveness, um, that happens, I think, when, when you're really present to who you are. When you're really present to the moment and who you are, that supports it just automatically, I think um, we become a little bit more expansive. Another way of thinking about expansiveness is just thinking of it as the opposite of being contracted and going around feeling like life is unfair, or feeling bitter or self-pity or blaming and shaming and guilt. All of the negative stuff I was describing that um, I had been experiencing 24-7 when I was in my youth in New York City. Expansiveness is the opposite of that. It's uh, just letting go of of the habits of blaming and um, shaming and uh, complaining and opening yourself up to the possibility of life being really wonderful. I like that. Let me ask you this. When you look at your seven keys, and I know that you have, for example, saying yes to your uniqueness and saying yes to your freedom from the past. Those are yep. two, distinct of your, two, two distinct keys that are, are mentioned within your, your book. Is there something that ties these different keys together, such as a theme or an overarching idea? Well, um, I'm hoping that each and every key succeeds in helping people le let the mind play second fiddle, stepping free from freedom. One of the ways we can step free from freedom is by letting go of our self-images. So perhaps over the years, you've had one time after another when you've shown up at a party and you've made a blunder. And so you've decided that um, you're not really socially very, you're rather socially inept and you're somewhat of a dork, not very socially graceful. So you've just been carrying that opinion about yourself and that belief all these years. So part of stepping free uh, from the past is and saying yes to freedom from the past is being willing to let go of the self-images and opinions you have about yourself. And St. Francis has said that those are the toughest opinions and beliefs to let go of. Of all of the beliefs in the world, the ones around you, your identity are the hardest. So how does that relate to the overarching idea? Yeah, so that would be an example of setting yourself free from the monkey mind that it can be harsh and judgmental. 
that's just one specific way in which we can sort of say goodbye to the monkey mind and all of its opinions and beliefs <laughs> and move on sure. into the heart. I want to ask you this. What was the most enjoyable part of this project that you'd like to share with our audience that you haven't spoken to anyone else before during any other interview about writing this book? What did you find to be the most enjoyable aspect of creating Say Yes to Life, in your own opinion? Well, um, I'm just passionate about writing. I just am always in seventh heaven when I'm writing something um, that's inspirational or that I feel is just flowing through me or if I'm writing something spiritual that might be of service to others, that is always what floats my boat, and it really doesn't matter what I'm writing. I've been writing blogs that uh, are also equally wonderful experiences. Um, so, and, I, and I also write poetry, and the poems are always, um, I hope they're always bridges from earth to heaven. <laughs> That's what I just love doing. I just love being in that element. And I always, uh, you know, I'm hoping that they'll get out there in the world and somebody might resonate with it and benefit from it. I like that. When you think of all the different probabilities that could happen in your life, I'm sure someone in the audience that's listening right now that may not have had the best January of 2020, for example, maybe they lost their job, Perhaps they ended a relationship. Maybe they have health issues. Maybe they're being foreclosed on or their car might be threatened, their status of their car loan. I want to ask you this. What would you say to that kind of person is going through that type of situation based on your own experience with Say Yes to Life? Well, the most important thing is, uh, you know, if, especially if things are, above, are really tough and uh, it's rough sledding, uh, the most important thing is always to just initially at least feel all of your feelings. And there's just absolutely no way to get to happiness without honoring your feelings, feeling them, expressing them, letting them flow through you. And when I say all of your feelings, I mean all of them. Um, the anger, the sadness, the despair, the resentment. If somebody betrayed you and you are feeling resentment towards that person, you need to feel it. I'm not saying that this is something that you need to dwell in, uh, but it does need to have its moment of being honored and felt. And um, that's just absolutely essential. And, you know, um, I understand that the 17-year-olds these days, well, the teenagers in general, not just 17-year-olds, are having the highest levels of depression that any group, uh, any that the teenagers have ever experienced. Uh, it's like the highest level for that population in many, many years, if not in forever. <laughs> uh, there have been some studies that have been done, and... That's what they're finding. The Washington Post used the word alarming when it reported on those studies about a year ago. And what I understand also is that these, seven, these teenagers are being given antidepressants and stuff that is stifling their feelings. So that's one of my concerns is they're not being allowed to cry their tears, that they're not really being... Um, able to as easily have access to the feelings so that they can be the feelings can be felt and go on their journey and then be done with. It's important for sure to have all your feelings and being in tune with those feelings to be able to express yourself. And I could see the benefit of even having the sadness and the grief or the despair. Those are all things to work through. Yes. What and, you, you know, um, I don't really believe in uh, having any feelings be called good feelings or bad feelings. <laughs> feelings are feelings, sure. and that's all there is to it. 
And you could use the analogy of a beach ball. A beach ball might have lots of different colors on it or lots of different feelings on it. And if you allow the beach ball to float uh, on the surface of the swimming pool, then, you know, all the feelings are there. They're not being repressed. They're all visible. Whichever feeling um, you're facing at that moment or whatever, that whichever part of the beach ball is present for you at that moment. And then on the other hand, you can repress the beach ball. And then in that case, the entire beach ball with all of its colors are being, is being submerged um, under the water. And you, you, there's no way that you can really um, decide, oh, I'm going to let the red color and the yellow color stay up and, and not the other colors. It really is all one unit. The gestalt, so to speak, the whole. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I mean, if you want to experience happiness, you just have to experience everything. You have to have something to compare it to. You got to have your peaks and your valleys. <laughs> who, who would benefit from, this, from your book, Say Yes to Life the Most, you believe, in your opinion? Well, really is... Mostly for those of us who are sort of trapped in our monkey mind, I think, and who are just uh, going through our days, not really in touch with our heart that much, but mostly sort of in the prison that the monkey mind sort of builds for us. Uh, so if we're, for those of us who tend to um, make a lot of comparisons and judgments, that's something the monkey mind likes to do. Uh, I'm hoping this book will help loosen the foothold of the monkey mind, give a little bit of w wiggle room and begin to uh, allow the, allow all of us to sort of turn away from everything that the monkey mind is uh, asking us to gaze on and face a new direction, face the direction of heaven and joy and, and who we truly are, uh, face the direction of the magnificence within us, the glory that is within us. Uh, we were all created in God's image, in the image of spirit. And one saint said that if you are facing heaven and walking in that direction, that is heaven. She's, she was, uh, St. Catherine was saying that heaven is really not a place. It's just an orientation, a directionality. And if you're not facing that direction, then you might have more of a hellish experience. <laughs> and I have been doing both throughout my life. I keep going, uh, pivoting from one direction to the other. The interesting aspect of this topic, happiness, I feel like the term itself, if you were to ask 10 different people what they consider to be happiness, a lot of people probably give you different answers. It is a and very tricky wor word, yes. <laughs> it's very slippery. It's such a large uh, umbrella. Yeah, and the word love is also a very tricky word. Uh, a lot of different associations and meanings attached to those words. And one person was telling me that um, I really am a joy coach, and I think she might be right, because I really am interested in the joy that we were born with and that stays with us until our dying day. There is an undercurrent of joy that is in the core of the heart, the center of our soul and our being, and we just don't necessarily tap into it or notice it. We get distracted by the chatter of the monkey mind, and so we can go for years and years without really being in touch with it. That's really my passion more than happiness is joy. Let me ask you this. What's the difference in your mind between happiness and joy? Yeah, well, you know, happiness can be um, understood as a fleeting thing, a momentary thing. And I don't want to say anything bad about happiness. When I call it fleeting, that's not a bad word. But let's think of a time when you were at a baseball game as a kid, or maybe your parents took you to a circus, 
or a softball game or one a rodeo, whatever it was. And it was just a very happy occasion for you. And you really enjoyed being there and enjoyed the energy of the crowd or whatever it was you really found to be. It was a happy memory. It still is a happy memory. That's wonderful. And it's great to have lots of happy moments and happy memories in your life. At the same time, um, some people uh, go about their lives trying to sort of string together, like, like a string of pearls, one happy moment after another after another, uh, with perhaps um, demanding that God give them one happy moment after another, or, or asking life to always be this happy thing followed by that happy thing. And that really does get in the way of happiness, and it gets it, takes you away from dropping into your heart and, and experiencing the joy that's there. That, that's sort of a more surface-level way of looking at happiness, and then the joy would be deeper. With reference to what you do as a happiness or joy coach, I want to ask you this. When it comes to people who are grieving or people who are really in a low moment of their life, what's your greatest challenge working with your clients to try to get them to see the bigger picture, to try to get them away from their maybe negative point of view and help them see what is ahead or, you know, just beyond their current predicament. I'm so glad you asked that question because it gives me a chance to really clarify what I do when I, uh, myself, I don't know, I don't speak for all happiness coaches. I just speak to my own approach and I never want to um, provide any counsel or advice or I never want to try to help somebody see anything. I don't, uh, when, I'm, when I'm working with a client, uh, I'm not intent on helping them see that the universe is a good place, um, that, the, that the sadness will pass, and uh, maybe it'll be replaced by happiness. None of that. <laughs> what I really like to do with clients is I, I'm really gifted at creating workshops. And I have um, a workshop that could be provided to a large group of people in a seminar room, perhaps, uh, perhaps in the course of a day, a day-long workshop. And I offer it in segments, in chunks, uh, part of it one week, with exercises and stuff that they can do over the week. In a way, my coaching is mostly about the client doing their homework and coming back the next week and reviewing the homework with me and then getting a chance to sort of practice the next week's homework with me to get the hang of what that's all about and then go off and do that that week's workshop exercise. So I really do use an approach that uh, allows the person who's working with me, allows my client to have their own aha experiences, their own insights. Um, you know, I'm always eager the next week to hear how the homework went for them, uh, to find out if there were any insights. And that really is much more conducive, I think, to spiritual growth than anything anyone could ever say to anybody. I could see that. The third key, say yes to the new. Could you tell our audience a little about what you mean by that? Yeah, saying yes to the new is really just like the title says, being open and willing to uh, start the day fresh when you wake up in the morning to let go of the beliefs and um, expectations and experiences that have been going on over the last yesterday and, and before yesterday. And um, that chapter, more than any other chapter, I, th I think, is really, once again, 
sort of like a book of poetry. Um, I do have a poetic voice in the book. And so while I don't have poems in the book, the book is sort of in the poetry genre, you might say, or in the fiction genre. It really is intended to not provide concepts about what is the new and how to say yes to the new and that kind of stuff. It's uh, In this particular chapter especially, it really is just a lot of chances to get ex- inspired by, oh, I could go about doing this, and, and this is what it would feel like. It's much more of a booster shot than it is um, a recipe. Interesting. In terms of saying yes to the new, would that also be welcoming other opportunities that you may not normally think about or other perspective points of view towards a situation that you might have been really wrestling with? Yes, that's a wonderful way to look at all of the different things that saying yes to the new can be. That's certainly one of them. It's also um, being open to possibilities and um, sometimes engaging the imagination can help to become more aware of the possibilities that are, are right there before you. It's very easy to just go from one day to the next about your daily life and not really give any attention to uh, the possibilities that might be waiting for you, that might be uh, available. And then one way to expand the vision of possibilities and in the awareness of what possibilities might be there is to just go into the heart and ask your heart, what do you want, and really listen to the heart's response and just really be present to what the heart's dreams are. When you're in touch with your heart's true desires, that gives you sort of a springboard to jump from in terms of um, brainstorming, in terms of imagining things, in terms of asking, well, what if this could be done? Uh, in terms of accessing a more awareness of what is possible. And of course, it's just one of the human things that I think we all experience is dismissing the heart, especially in this culture that emphasizes so many things that are not related to the heart, like um, so many mental things. We're always um, directed down that path, even in school. So I really do um, think that we need to stop underestimating the heart, stop uh, dismissing the heart and the inner child too. We can really listen to the inner child's desires. And that can be the starting point for saying yes to the new. Interesting you bring up inner child because I always talk to, as a psychic medium, when I, when I do readings with people, I always say one of the things that certain people need to do is nourish their inner child and take a spa day or, like you said, sit in a bubble bath or jacuzzi. Uh, do those things that give you a certain level of enjoyment to take the edge off of life. And from my perspective, looking at that, I think what I'd like to ask you is this. Do you recommend certain exercises to people who have an issue or difficulty with being able to nourish their inner child because they're so focused on the the immediacy of right now and all the burdens of their life and their responsibilities? Is there anything you would suggest to the audience to help them with a breakthrough of trying to nourish that inner child as part of the process of, say, you know, being able to achieve a certain level of happiness or joy? That's a brilliant question. And I do have, oh, thank you. <laughs> and I do have um, an inner child exercise in each and every one of the chapters, uh, just a brief, simple, short inner, uh, inner going within and being present to the inner child and having a short conversation with the inner child. 
I guess for the uniqueness chapter, um, I haven't memorized my book, but I think the inner child exercise is something um, a lot around just appreciating the uniqueness with the inner child, uh, encouraging the inner child to uh, join you in appreciating your own uniqueness and the inner child's uniqueness. So the thing that you're really pointing at with this inner child, uh, with the importance of engaging the inner child, I think, is taking time for self-care. And that's just one example of taking time for serving yourself and for self-care. And self-care really is essential. Sort of, you might want to think of the lungs and how they breathe air in. And, you know, they really are serving themselves first. And then the the body gets served by the air. But um, that's what self-care is like. It's that important. The lungs must bring air to them so that they can thrive and survive. They must have the air that they breathe in. And then after that, it can spread out to the rest of the body. Um, so it, it, that's how important it is. So, and, you know, along with that uh, metaphor, just like the, the lungs are indeed serving the entire body, when they serve themselves by breathing in air. What if when you're doing your self-care, whatever that looks like, maybe it's writing in the gratitude journal, maybe it's talking with your inner child, whenever you're doing self-care, what if that is also on some level reaching out to other people on the planet and just helping you or the microcosm that is somehow on a quantum level feeding the macrocosm, the whole of humanity. I, I wonder about that. I really don't know. I haven't done any research. That's a great point. I think when it comes to, you know, when you're talking about the lungs, one of the analogies I always say to people, a simplified way of understanding how to nourish, the importance of nourishing your child is very simplified because I used to fly a lot from my old job as a lawyer. It's like when they do the emergency prep at the beginning of the flight, and they say, should the air pressure in the cabin become an issue, you're going to put your mask on first before helping others so that you can breathe and you'll be more useful. I always like to say your inner child and nourishing it, it's, it's equivalent to putting the mask on first. You've got to take care of yourself so that you're that much more effective with everyone else in your life. Or to try to achieve your goal of balance and harmony and just being able to do the right thing in your life and, and, and have as much wisdom as possible in, in your approach. I want to ask you this. When it comes to the challenges that we're presented in our modern era, everybody's got a smartphone. Everybody's connected. I shouldn't say everybody. I should say a good proportion of our society. If you go into a restaurant now and you look around and you see younger people, even people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, most people will have their smartphone in their sight, their line of sight. You'll see a lot of people standing around, sitting around a table, and they're looking down at their phone. And they're not engaging each other. And one of the things I want to ask you is, do you have any suggestions or recommendations for people who are so engrossed in the now and the connectedness of our culture, of what they can do to try to better themselves and learn how to, for example, nourish their inner child? Or looking at these particular challenges that your book presents, is there anything you would suggest or recommend to someone who's very connected but not really able to see the kind of stuff we're discussing right now, the concepts, so to speak? That's an interesting question. Um, and the answer is, no, I do not. I have not really done any um, thinking about cell phones and that issue that you're bringing up. Um, I do know that it's absolutely essential that um, people not judge anything. So 
that's something that I really hope um, I'm able to do. I hope that when I'm walking down the street and I'm seeing somebody uh, who's really into their cell phone more than anything else or at a cafe um, and more into their cell phone, I'm, I'm hoping that um, I would be judgment-free in that case. But back to the topic of self-care um, and how important it is, I really do feel like uh, over the next few years, um, it's going to be more important than ever to be serving ourselves and to be engaging in self-care. I really uh, am predicting, partly from what I hear from astrologers, <laughs> that it's going to be rough sledding over the next few years, perhaps especially in the institutional, governmental, um, you know, the larger world level. I don't know about the personal level, but when all of that rough sledding comes and, and when corruption is unveiled or, or whatever it is that makes things difficult, um, I don't really have a clue as to what the specifics are. Uh, it's going to be more important than ever to not get sucked into all of that um, negative news. It's really going to be important to be able to be at the eye of the storm. And self-care is really the key to being able to be anchored in your heart and to be able to be present with who you are instead of being really distracted and, and sucked into uh, the stresses that are out there and um, the negative, the way things look so negative. You know, I really enjoy um, reading people, reading the wisdom from ages past, and I'm often amazed at how the New Thought Movement and the wisdom from the mystics and saints in the past are so in alignment. And uh, Julian of Norwich said something um, that is, all, once again, about focusing on the positive. She said that it's good to take a moment to look, to glimpse at the negative, and maybe even she might say at the shadow. I don't think that term was around back then, but if she were around now, she might say it's good to glimpse at the shadow. Uh, this is centuries ago. Julian of Norwich was a uh, mystic. And she also said, don't wallow in that. I see a lot of people these days <laughs> spending a lot of time really worrying about what's going on in the world. And she, Julian of Norwich was just quite certain that uh, for the sake of um you know, being fully available to God and fully available to your heart. It was really important to acknowledge it and then go back to the positive. I like that. In other words, acknowledge the negativity, but then try to find that silver lining within your situation. That's one way to go back to the positive for sure, or to um, tap into um, some sort of trust or faith that all of this is for the highest good of all. I also think that anything negative we deal with in life is meant to give us some type of wisdom, some type of knowledge that helps us to grow. As you said, spiritual development, spiritual growth, an understanding of, of what challenges we have, but then to learn from those challenges so you don't repeat them or so that you can better yourself from that. Would you say that that would be one of the skills that would be helpful for someone to, for example, expand themselves? Well, I'm not going to argue with anything you said. That all sounds wonderful. Okay. And at the same time, I am generally not someone who is interested in making myself better. I am okay. interested. What, what, what I prefer to focus on, you're welcome to focus on that, and I'm not going to argue with you. Um, but what no. I prefer to focus on is really just just getting, letting the negativity and um, the things that are interfering with us connecting with our heart Getting, get it, letting the, if there's a wall around the heart, letting that dissolve. 
whatever's in the way, letting it dissolve, and then uh, saying yes to the beauty that's already within you. I'm interested in sort of peeling away the layers that might be interfering with um, your connection with your heart and with your um, joy and all of that. Uh, just uh, diving into the divinity that's already there and the perfection that's already there and embracing all of you, including the things that might be interfering with your ability to see the glory within you. Uh, All of the voices within you, the, the one who is doubting, needs to be embraced and loved and not told to change. When I'm working with clients and we're looking at the things that are limitations and stuff and limiting beliefs, and when I ask them to go and talk with that voice within them, I always say, you know, don't have a conversation with this person, with this voice within you, with this little one who is worried or doubtful or whatever, unless you can honestly start the conversation with you have a right to be exactly as you are. In other words, don't bring a manipulative energy of, oh, I'm going to embrace you so that you'll change. It's just so important to accept everything within you, human parts of you, the limited parts, the contracted parts, as well as the expansive and divine parts of you. That's a great way of looking at it. What would you, I'm looking at your book, and your sixth key is say yes to grief. We're talking about a book that's focusing on the happiness and joy model, and I want to ask you, your chapter devoted to say yes to grief. How does that fit within the transformation that someone would undergo to invest in the say yes to life concept? And how does it play within your particular paradigm, so to speak? Yes. Um, I'm not sure if I really have anything more to add than what we were already talking about uh, previously about how it's absolutely essential to feel all of your feelings. That really is the core message of that chapter. And I'm hoping that um, the poetic um, voice in that chapter will give people the encouragement and inspiration to do so. What would you, in this particular interview today, if there's anything that you want our audience to take from our discussion of your book, Say Yes to Life, what would that be and why? Saying yes to life is pretty much the same thing as saying yes to who you are. At least they're very close to each other. And I really think that when you're saying yes to who you are, uh, to everything, as we were saying just a moment ago, to the lack of self-confidence, if that's what is part of who you are, if that's a, a voice within you, a story you're telling yourself, to, uh, and also to the glorious nature within you. I just think it's important to say yes to your entire self and to have compassion for everything that is in need of compassion, to listen to the heart, to listen to all of the voices within you. I want to make sure, because we're running low on time, if you can believe how fast these interviews go. (laughs) I want to make sure I can have our audience, if they want to reach out to you, where they can find you on social media, for example. And share with our audience uh, your contact information, your website, or anything else you'd like to share. Well, I'm going to make it simple, and I'm going to just give one website address out. And when you go to that website, you can also click on a link that will take you to another website. I'm going to just let you guys know about www.sayyestolifebook.com. And I really am encouraging um, anyone who might be interested in a free gift to go ahead and go there, even if the book is not of interest to you. 
the website does have information about Say Yes to Life, and it also has a free gift. It's um, a, about 15-minute, 20-minute uh, guided visualization. So you'll get the down, a link to the download um, in your email if you request it. It's available by request. It's really a package gift. The other part of the package is a few pages from the book Say Yes to Life. So that'll give you a chance to sort of get a taste of what this book is like and how it resonates with you. Great. The last thing I want to ask you, with reference to spiritual growth that you've mentioned earlier, in your own personal experience, what would you attribute the most to your own individual spiritual growth over the years? You know, um, I was about to say that my turning point of owning, taking responsibility for my life is the main thing. But on the other hand, I really am not sure if it's that or if it's the way I'm answering Einstein's question. Einstein asked the question for all of us to answer individually. He, I think he, I think a paraphrase or maybe the, uh, an exact quote would be, the most important question that we can ask ourselves is, is the universe a friendly place? And I'm passionate about helping people to, uh, who might be saying no or I'm not sure to move in the direction to take baby steps towards saying, yes, it is a friendly place. Yes, the cosmos is benevolent and good. Uh, and that also might be, along with the self-responsibility piece, that might be uh, one of the very central pillars to my own spiritual growth and my own life. I can give examples about people who have had rough times and who have... Um, Ended out saying yes to uh, the universe being a friendly place, if you'd like. Sure. Uh, St. Francis, a very short story about St. Francis. Um, I think it was just sort of obvious that he was saying yes to the universe being a good place when he was walking in the, um, in the nature. And I guess he was near a ditch, and he ran into four guys, and they just decided for no reason to just push him into the ditch. And he landed in the snow and ice. The next thing that happened was he had a moment of divine laughter, divine laughter. He didn't say, God, why did you let this happen to me? Life is terrible, all of that stuff. He was in such an elevated state and such certainty that whatever happens can be a good experience. <laughs> that um, <laughs> That's where he wound up in laughter. That's great. I think from my vantage point, anytime you can talk about these concepts and if it elevates your mood and elevates your, your spirit and your vibration, I think it, there's always positive aspects to it. And your topic, Say Yes to Life, with your book, I feel like anyone who, who looks at this and, and really delves into it will get a good feeling at the end of it. Even if they do, go through a self-examination and let the emotions come out as raw on their sleeve as possible, I think in the end, if you apply the concepts that you're talking about with your seven keys, I feel very strongly it can it can be like a, like a the tools that can help somebody the modality the, the ability to get past something they might have been stuck with their viewpoint that may have prevented them from really seeing for example with your with your story just now falling down and or being pushed down falling down and actually finding laughter about that I, I find that very healing as a message and so for me to look at that. There's too many people who take life too seriously, and it really is important not to take everything that happens to you as seriously as some people do, because I think laughter is one of those healing attributes that can really give you insight to say, I'm not going to take my life this seriously right now. And, and, that's, and that's one of the lessons I get from looking at this type of stuff is being able not to take yourself as seriously as some do. Would you agree with that? 
I really appreciate everything you're saying. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and, you know, the book is in a bunch of short little segments. It's a very small book, just 130 pages, a really tiny book. And it's just a bunch of bite-sized segments. So for people who want to read a couple pages a day, it can be, um, you know, something that is savored for, for a month or two. Absolutely. Do you have any new books coming out or any new projects? What, what's going to be coming up for you this year that you'd like to share that with our audience? Right now, I'm just focused on getting the word out about this book. That's about it right now. Excellent. I want to thank you for taking the time today and joining us for this interview and, and putting, putting your effort and your passion to creating Say Yes to Life. I think it's such a great thing uh, having you on the show to share your personal experiences with this. And I, I just really appreciate you being able to, to discuss this concept with me today and, 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 and sharing it with our audience. Thank you very much for coming on today. I so appreciate the invitation. It, I enjoyed every moment. Same here, sir. Thank you so much, Elliot. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. I just want to thank Elliot for coming on the show today. A lot of times we get so hung up on the negativity of the world. Some of us do. Uh, when you deal with a lot of challenges or just difficult people, it's, it's hard sometimes to take a step back from that and think to yourself, what is there to be happy about? You know, if you deal with a breakup, or a negative health diagnosis like cancer, or if you have certain things that are just impeding you, you might think to yourself, where's the silver lining? The reality is everything is a silver lining. And I think that's one of the things that I really am happy about with being able to discuss Elliot Robertson's book, Say Yes to Life Today, Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within. It gives you a perspective. It's, it's, it's a, I'd say it's a, it's a good read. More important than anything else, is having the, the right attitude of embracing even the negative. A couple of weeks ago, I've been dealing with some challenges in my personal life for some time. And one morning I just woke up and I decided to let go, let go of the negativity and not let it impact me anymore. And as soon as I did that, it inspired me, it liberated me, and it gave me the ability to look at life from a totally different point of view. Focus on the new, not holding on to the negatives of the past and really growing. And I'm on that journey slowly but surely every day. And I know most of us are. I just really enjoy these type of topics because of, of what they can really teach us or at least show us more than, you know, just what we do ourselves from our own perspectives. Thank you for tuning into this episode. We will continue to have more episodes coming our way. I really appreciate Elliot coming on the show. And I thank each of you for supporting our episode and for supporting the podcast. If anyone has any questions or would like to reach out to me directly, you can reach out to me via email at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. You can also find us on Instagram, The Social Psychic, Facebook, as well as YouTube. We're actually uh, going to be building up the YouTube channel uh, as we go into the spring. Thank you so much. And next time, I look forward to uh, expanding, hopefully, viewpoints and changing paradigms. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. 
Are you looking for that perfect gift to express your appreciation for your loved one or bestie? Well, look no further. Royal Susie offers one-of-a-kind designs with genuine high-quality crystals, stones, and the most precious of metals that are guaranteed to satisfy the urges of your inner king or queen. Each piece is handcrafted with love and is sure to inspire and captivate all. Indulge yourself by visiting Royal Susie's website at www.royalsusie.com for splendid items like agate bookends, impressively crystal-studded bottle stoppers, and beautifully handcrafted nightlights that will charm every room in your home. Royal Susie's featured collections will truly delight your guests and always make them feel welcome. Any questions? Contact Royal Susie directly by email at royalsusiedesigns at yahoo.com. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electric Acid. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electric Acid Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electric Acid to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Electricast. 